Well, good morning and happy new year. Um, if you have a Bible or the app on your phone, join me in the book of Revelation. Book of Revelation chapter 5. And I'll just say this to Josh and Laney, don't need to worry about the finances. I have great confidence in us as a church. We'll take care of that. Okay? We support that. That's what we're about, about sending, living sent as missionaries. And so we're thrilled for you guys and what God's doing and him sending you in your heart for that. Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 through 14 I want you to imagine for a moment, I want you to picture this scene that we're about to read, and I want you to picture it in your mind's eye. And if it's helpful for you to close your eyes and just listen, then do that. If you need to follow along and read along, feel free to do that, obviously. But I want you to picture what we're about to read. I want you to see it. Because what we're about to read is happening right now. It's taking place right now as we gather together on this morning as the church. So I want you to just, as best you can, to just visualize and see what's happening. Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 through 14. And between the throne and the four living creatures, this is taking place in heaven. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb. That's Jesus standing as though it had been slain with seven horns, with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. So picture that. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down. They're falling down before Jesus, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. So here you have the four living creatures, these elders singing this song, and they say this, they sing, Worthy are you, Jesus, to take the scroll and to open its seals. They're saying, it's right for you, Jesus, to be the one to do this. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So that's their song. That's what they're singing. And then John the Apostle, who is the one privileged to see this, he says, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And notice it says the voice. So it's like one voice, and there's thousands upon thousands of of these angels surrounding the throne. So here you have Jesus in the middle, the four living creatures, the elders, and surrounding them, swirling around them are, are these thousands upon thousands of angels. And singing and sang with like one voice, like one anthem, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. 
They're saying, it is right for you, Jesus, to receive all the power, for you to have all the wealth, for you to have all the wisdom, all the might, for you to receive all the honor, all the fame, and every blessing. It is right for you, Jesus, to be the one to have all of that. Verse 13, it says, And I heard every creature in heaven and, and, and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, So be it. Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. If you look at verse 13, just imagine this. Picture the scene. And I heard every creature in heaven. So that's the angels. Every, all the angels are saying, Jesus, it's right for you to receive all the blessing and honor and glory. But, but notice it says, and on earth, all the creatures in heaven and all the creatures on earth. So imagine walking through the Cincinnati Zoo. right? And you're walking through the zoo and if the animals could speak, and you could have an interview with one of the hippos at the, okay, or, the, or the new little baby aardvark at the zoo, right? And you were to have this conversation with, with one of those animals, and you would say, you know what? I have this situation about the meaning of life. What's it all about? I've tried this. I've tried that. I'm not quite sure what my life is all about. I'm really struggling with this. And they would call, say back to you, it's all about Jesus. It's right for you to give your entire life to worship Jesus. That's why I'm here. I wouldn't be here if, I, if it weren't for Jesus. I'm giving him all my worship, all the creatures on earth. We're here to worship Jesus. That's what they would say. So you're talking to the aardvark, you're talking to the hippo, the lion, the squirrels. They'd all say the same thing. Even scripture says rocks cry out and give honor and glory. Even rocks, stones cry out and give Jesus the praise. I mean, picture it. And then it says every creature in heaven. It's got the angels. You got the zoo animals. You got, and then it says even creatures under the earth. You got worms, ants, slugs. Same conversation, same answer. We're here to give Jesus everything all the blessing, all the honor, all the glory. He's, he's deserving of it. And then in the sea, so you're walking the beach. And, and you're walking the beach and, and there's a jellyfish and you have the same conversation with the jellyfish and you're getting the same answer every time. And, and they would say, you'd interview them, meaning a life, what's going on? They're like, listen, man, I'm telling you, I don't know what you're into, but we're here for one reason and one reason alone and it's to worship Jesus. That's why we're here. It's why I'm here. That's why, why he probably washed me up on shore because I needed to tell you that. Because you're trying all this other stuff, but it's all about Jesus. Giving your life to him, surrendering your life to him. It's, it's about him. That's what it says. I heard every creature in heaven. So you got the angels, creatures on earth, zoonos under the earth, worms, slugs, ants, in the sea, jellyfish. I mean, and all that is in them, they're not like, yeah, man, we're into like Jesus. Everything in them is going, Jesus deserves everything. We give everything to him. What's the point? Of all this. Here's what I want us to see from this. You've got to come away from this and go, Jesus is so amazing. He deserves everyone's worship. He is so incredible. He is so glorious, so amazing that he deserves 
everyone to worship him and everything to worship him. Someone once said this, and you'll see it on the screen. They said, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. That could not be further from the truth. It could not be further from the truth. I mean, how many of you know people that love Disney World? Imagine telling a six or seven, eight-year-old kid who's experienced Disney World to not tell you about it. They can't. It's so incredible. It's so amazing what they've encountered, what they've experienced, right? That they've got to tell you about it. And some of us have adult friends, maybe some of you, right? You're into Disney and that's great. It's a good thing. It's awesome. It's amazing. And so you're posting about why? Because you love it and it's good and it's great. It's so amazing. You've got to tell people about it. You're no longer just like believing it in the sense of I hear people talk about Disney World or what, but you've experienced Disney World and so now you've got to tell people how amazing it is. And so it says preach the gospel, which is basically just talk to people about Jesus. Use words if if necessary. That's not what the Apostle Paul said. Romans chapter 10, verses 13 and 14, he says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now watch his progression, his sequence of thought here. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, without someone talking to them about Jesus? So let's work it backwards. Someone's talking to them about Jesus, so they're able to hear about Jesus. And now because they're hearing about Jesus, they're believing in Jesus. And at that moment of belief, they're calling on Jesus. If you want people to call on Jesus, what Paul is saying, you've got to talk to them about Jesus. You've got, you got to open your mouth and just talk about how amazing Jesus is to you. That's what he's saying here. It's his flow of thought. Now, why talk about Jesus? Why share Jesus? Just a couple reasons. There's, there's plenty, but I, I just want to hit a couple real quick. One is Jesus told us to. As disciples of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus said, go make disciples. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, I want you to be my witnesses. Well, what's a witness do? A witness takes the stand and they talk describing what they've experienced, what they've seen and they've heard. That's what a witness is. It's what a witness does. And Jesus says, if you're a disciple, you talk about me. That's what you do. That's, that's what I'm asking you to do. But we also talk about Jesus because, let's be honest, we know people are broken. You're broken. I'm broken. And we know that the solution, Scripture tells us, is Jesus. Jesus takes things that are broken and he he, he restores them. He puts it back together the way it was intended to be. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul said this, And through Jesus... God reconciles, he brings back together, he fixes, he heals, he makes friends again to himself all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. So we talk about Jesus because Jesus is the only one that can take a broken soul and make it whole. So it it actually is fixed to the point to where they're, they're now created new the way they were supposed to be, the way he initially created them to be. They're whole. So we've got this, hey, listen, you got to talk about Jesus, right? Jesus is so amazing. He deserves everyone's worship. We're to talk about Jesus. But here's the problem. I stink at it. I do. 
So I'm studying for this, this, this whole series, right? And I'm sitting at Starbucks. This is this week. Starbucks in Anderson where I live. And I'm at one of the large tables. And I'm studying. And there's a guy sitting directly diagonal to me at the table. So I'm reading this. And boom, I'm like, I need to talk to that dude about Jesus. It like hits me. I, I mean, I, right? I, I, I should. I, I want to. But then here's the conversation that I have in my head. That's crazy. What will he think of me? If out of the way, he doesn't know me, I've never seen the guy before, how do I start the conversation? What do I say? Hey, what's up? You know Jesus? I mean, what do you do? How do you do that, right? To where it's like normal and natural and you don't feel like a, you know, just crazy. And, and you know, what, is he going to give me that look like, dude, you're interrupting me. Be quiet. What do you do? So I have all this conversation. Is he going to hurt me? Whatever. You know, all those different things. If I say something, I'm going to interrupt him. I don't really have the time. I had a conversation in my head. I never even said hi. Never even said hi to the guy. Maybe you can relate to that. But that's me. I'm not good at this. (laughs) I'm supposed to talk about how amazing Jesus is, and I struggle with it. And that's why we're going to spend the next four Sundays talking about how to share Jesus with people. Because people are broken. Jesus is the solution. He's told us, he's given us this mandate to go talk to people about how amazing he is. So for the next four Sundays, we're going to be in the, the, the book of Acts, specifically chapter 17. So join me there. Acts chapter 17, because over the next four weeks, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and a conversation or, or this experience and encounter that he had with people in the city of Athens. And we're going to gain some principles from Paul on how to better be equipped at sharing Jesus with people. Acts chapter 17, verse 16 through 34. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens... His spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And someone said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So let's stop there. Let me give you a little bit of background and setting to what's happening here. You need to know something about the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. The book of Acts is the sequel to the gospel of Luke, meaning Luke wrote his gospel about Jesus. And at the very end of his gospel, he records Jesus making a promise to his disciples. And he says, listen, I want you to stay in the city of Jerusalem until you receive this power from on high. I'm going to send you a power from on high. And I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you get it. That's how the gospel of Luke ends. When you start the book of Acts, The book of Acts starts where Luke ends with Jesus sending his disciples this power from on high, which is his Holy Spirit. And so what you have in the book of Acts then for the rest of the book of Acts in Acts chapters 1, chapters 2, you have the arrival of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus' disciples. And the whole rest of the book of Acts is basically disciples of Jesus talking to people about Jesus. That's what the book of Acts is all about. It's, It's really... 
disciples of Jesus talking to people about Jesus. Why is that important? Because you need to know that if you're a disciple of Jesus, you have what you need to do this. And his name is the Holy Spirit. You have what you need living in you. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you have the personal life presence of God living in you. And his job is to make much of Jesus. And so no excuses. We have what we need to accomplish the mission that Jesus has called us to. Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives the Holy Spirit to you so that he can make much of Jesus through you. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to make much of the Son. And that's what you see through the book of Acts. And so here we have in Acts chapter 17, a disciple of Jesus named Paul talking with people about Jesus. And so I just want you to know that you have what you need in order to accomplish a mission. The Holy Spirit's like the electricity through the cord that makes the light shine. That's what you have. You have the personal presence of God in you to accomplish the mission, to do this, to share and talk about how amazing Jesus is to you. So here we come into the book of Acts. Book of Acts, chapter 17, Paul is in Athens. And if you look at verse 13, but when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, this is verse 13 of chapter 17, a little bit of background here. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they went to Berea too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Here's what happened. Paul goes into the Greek city, Thessalonica. He starts talking to people about Jesus. There's a group of people that don't like it. They want to kill Paul. Paul goes to Berea, does the same things, talks to people about Jesus. The people from Thessalonica, they don't like it. They travel to Berea, stir up the crowd, want to kill Paul. So Paul's entourage, his buddies say, we got to get you out of here. So they get Paul out of there and they go to Athens. Then they left so fast, Paul's missionary buddies, Timothy and Silas, they left them behind. I don't know why, I don't doesn't explain it, but they just got left behind. And so Paul shows up in Athens, and, it, and he's waiting now for the arrival of his missionary friends, Timothy and Silas. And in Athens, what you have is a, a city that is religious. There's 30,000 idols in the city of Athens, but 10,000 people. So there's all kinds of statues and all kinds of physical things that, 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 that people are worshiping. So it's a very religious city. Someone said that you could, you're more likely to run into a, an idol than you were a person in the city of Athens. And they worshipped all kinds of things. And a couple primary things of religious worship that were there were the, a group of people known as the Epicureans. They worshipped um, like pleasure. It was, they they kind of had the motto, he who dies with the toys, mo- most toys wins. That, that's what, if it feels good, do it. That was the Epicureans. Right, sounds maybe a little familiar to what we live in, right? The culture today. Right, it's all about the here and now. They didn't believe in the afterlife. So get as much out of this one as you can. It doesn't matter who you hurt, just whatever. It's all about you. That was what they believed. The Stoics were more intellectual, reason, logic. They were kind of their own God. Intellect was their God. And then to show you how much confidence that they had in those gods, they actually had an idol to the unknown God. I don't know about you, but if you have to have an idol to an unknown God, it really shows the lack of confidence you have in the God you worship. Right? So think about that in the scale of, well, it doesn't matter what you worship. Well, if you really worship, you really believe in that, then wouldn't you, shouldn't you defend it like that's the right way? You don't have a lot of confidence in what you believe if you feel like everybody's right. And I think that's what, what's happening here in the city of Athens. And so what I want us to see, the one principle this morning One principle when it comes to how to share Jesus, and it really comes down to Paul's motivation. Why does he talk to people in Athens about Jesus? 
And that's the first principle. It has to do with our motivation. And the motivation is this. Paul's motivation for talking to people about Jesus is this. Jesus is so amazing, he deserves everyone's worship. Jesus is so amazing, he deserves everyone's worship. Where do we see this? Well, look at verse 16, 17, and 18. Now, while Paul is waiting for them at Athens, his spirit is provoked within him as he saw the city full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. So again, let's look at the author Luke and let's see his progression, his sequence of of what he does here. Verse 17, we see Paul reasoning in the synagogue and in the marketplace every day. Every day he's talking to people about Jesus. Why? Why? Verse 16, his spirit is provoked within him. Now, provoked means stirred up, aroused, almost to the point of frustration. So Paul's walking in over the Rhine. He's hanging out at Holtman's. He ends up in the cafe, and he's looking around. He goes down, sees Paul Brown Stadium. He sees Great American Ballpark. He's looking at the high rise. He's just observing. He's people watching. And he's just looking around. He's like, man, they're all about this. He sees a ton of people on their phones, right, running into stuff. You know, he's like, man, you know, he's, and, he's, and he's looking at all this stuff, and he's just taking it all in. He's just taking it all. He's like, see, he, he, he's watching the TV and UK is on and UK basketball. And he's like, wow, look at those people. They're, they're totally into that. That's great. That's amazing. And, he, and he's just observing. He's just observing. And as he's observing, his spirit starts to get irritated a little bit, like provoked. Like he feels compelled. He's, he, he can't just not say something. He's got to say something. And that's what, what Luke is trying to describe here for us. He's saying he reasons in the synagogue because a spirit is provoked. Well, why is a spirit provoked? It's because he's walking the streets of the city and he's seeing a ton of religious worship, but no Jesus. That's what he's seeing. He's like, you people love to worship, but you, there's no Jesus here. And Jesus is so amazing. He deserves everyone's worship. I, I believe Paul knew what Isaiah records God saying in Isaiah 42.8, where God says, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to idols. God knows that the best thing for every person is him. He knows that. And Paul knows that. And what he's seeing is a bunch of credit going to a bunch of empty idols, empty worship, when it needs to be going to Jesus. And it's not that those things are bad or wrong. They're good gifts, but they make horrible gods. Horrible gods. And so he sees that the city is full of idols, and he's seeing all this worship, but no, Jesus. Help me see, what's Paul's lens as he's walking through the city? What's he thinking about as he walks through the city? He's thinking about Jesus. That's what he's thinking about. He's walking the streets of Athens. He's thinking, he's looking through the lens of, I love Jesus so much. I've experienced him so much. I've experienced his forgiveness. Paul was a terrorist for crying out loud. Jesus rescued him from that, cleaned him up, made him a new creation. He's got the Holy Spirit in him. He's got all the promises of God for him. He's super excited. Jesus is so amazing to him. And he's walking now through the streets of the city going, man, these people worship a lot of things, but they're missing it. No, 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 no. He's saying... These things are empty and lifeless and they leave you nowhere. You need to worship Jesus. 
The same Jesus that the creatures in heaven worship. The same Jesus that the creatures at the zoo worship. That the rocks worship. That's the Jesus you need to be worshiping. And so he's walking through the city and looking at the lens, or looking at the city through the lens of Jesus. And maybe he'd walk through our city. If he walked with you for a week, what would he see? As far as who and what you worship. What would he see as far as who and what you worship? What is keeping you from treasuring Jesus more than anything? Whatever it is, it's an idol. It may not be a bad thing. It could be a good thing, but if you're worshiping it, it is a bad thing. It's an idol. You know, maybe it is sports. Maybe it is family. Maybe it is your phone. Maybe it's knowledge. Maybe it's whatever. But Paul's saying, listen, Jesus is so amazing. He's deserving of not just my worship, but everyone's worship. And he's thinking about Jesus. His motivation, think about this. Paul's motivation for talking to people about Jesus is not to get more butts in the synagogue. It's not. His motivation for sharing Jesus is not so he can pat himself on the back and say, I'm a good Christian. Paul's motivation for sharing Jesus is not so that he can manipulate God so God will do something good for him. That's religion. That's not Jesus. Paul's motivation for sharing Jesus is Jesus. He, he is so in love, is so amazed at who Jesus is that when he sees people that are worshiping things other than Jesus, if, it's like, I've got to say something. I've got to say something. You say, so what's this look like, Mark? I mean, what's it look like to just be so amazed at Jesus that you got to say something, right? Well, I mean, that's our motivation. The motivation has to start with how great and glorious and amazing Jesus is. I think it, it can look like before your feet hit the floor in the morning, you're reading Revelation 5. It can look like that. And before your feet hit the floor, your, your mind is directly turned vertically to who Jesus is and what he, how great he is. And so when you're out the door in the morning to work, you're already thinking about Jesus. You're already thinking about him. You're thinking about how great and amazing he is. So then when you go to the restaurant and you go out to eat, you're thinking, man, this server, I really would love her to know Jesus, at least to see his love in some way. And you say, well, that's kind of unrealistic. No, it's not. I mean, I was preparing for this. I'm like, that's what I want to I want to be thinking about Jesus. And so last Sunday we went out to eat and the server came and I was thinking, man, I just, you know, and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to ask her, how can, how can I pray for her? So I said, hey, um, you know, we're going to be praying and thanking Jesus for our food here in a bit. If there's anything I can be praying about for you, let me know. And that was after she took our drink orders because I knew she was going to come back and she came back and to take our meal orders. And, and uh, I said, hey, did you have any time to think about anything I can pray about for you today? And she said, you know, just pray for me and my husband we're looking for a new, a new house and all of that stuff. And, and um, I said, okay, we'll do that. We'll do that. So after she left, we prayed and, um, and prayed for her and her husband. That was it. Kind of anticlimactic. Maybe you were thinking like, wow, she's like going to give her heart to Jesus and be baptized in the back room or whatever, you know, kind of a thing. I, but you know what? It's just about really it's one step at a time, right? When it comes to sharing Jesus, you're just like, I you and I, as disciples, we got to be so in awe of who Jesus is that we're thinking about him more. How often do you think about Jesus throughout the day? So what's it look like? It just, 
Paul was thinking about Jesus. Maybe that's the first step. Just start thinking about Jesus other than just here on a Sunday morning or with your living community. Just start thinking about Jesus and how great and glorious he is. So what now? What do we do now? If the, if the motivation for sharing Jesus is, is him and how glorious and good and amazing he is, like the Jesus of heaven that we read about in Revelation, if that's the motivation, what, what do we do now? Well, let me give you a couple things. Hopefully practical things. Today, here's what, here's what you can do today. Inventory your own heart. Inventory your own heart. What has your worship more than Jesus? Whatever is keeping you from treasuring Jesus is keeping you from sharing Jesus. Inventory your own heart. What are the idols of your heart? When we take communion, you're going to have some time to just kind of think through that. And I want you to ask the Spirit of God to reveal to you the idols of your heart, those things that are keeping you from worshiping Jesus. And then when those things come to mind, when those things bubble to the surface, confess it. Confess it. Right before you take the bread and the cup, confess it. And then after confession, come up and take the bread and the cup and celebrate this Jesus who is so amazing that went to the cross, died on the cross, came back to life, and now, right now, is in heaven receiving all the worship. Celebrate him as you take the bread and the, and, and the cup. Celebrate him. Treasure him. That's what you can do today. Inventory your own heart. And then treasure Jesus with the bread and the cup. But this week, when it comes to the principle of how to share Jesus, just start thinking about Jesus more. <laughs> just think about him. Well, how do you do that? You've got to spend time with him. Maybe you're going to get up, and I want to challenge every person in this room, if you're like me and you have your phone by your bed, when you wake up in the morning, before your feet hit the ground, read Revelation 5. Read Revelation 5 as you start your day. And then spend more time throughout the day thinking of him, reading scripture and spending time with him. And see who he is, how he's loved you and loves you. And then here's the challenge. Talk with someone this week about how amazing Jesus is. Don't worry about, I don't know what this is, just, and even just, if, even if it's another disciple of Jesus, just start talking to people about how amazing Jesus is. Just start thinking about him. I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to sing in a moment. But we're going to take communion first. Listen, Jesus is so amazing. He is deserving of your worship, my worship, and everyone's worship. That's why we talk about him. That's why we share him. So church, this week, let's think about Jesus and how great and glorious he is. And let's talk about him this week. And as you take communion first, inventory your own heart confess and then celebrate this Jesus through the bread and the cup. And then as we sing, let's sing our hearts and worship to him. Lord Jesus, thank you for being so good and great and glorious. And help us to be a people that are so focused on you, so like Paul, thinking about you, thinking through you, looking at, 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 at people, our, our community, and saying, oh, Jesus, we, we love you so much. We want them to worship you. So God, move in us this morning and help us to be a people that talk about you, that, that, that just talk about you so that people can hear, so that people can believe, so that people can call. You are worthy, Jesus. 
You are worthy. We love you. Receive all the glory, all the honor. Forgive us of the idols of our hearts. Free us. Thank you for the cross, for cleansing us. Now move in us, put in us a passion to share you. And it's in Jesus, your name I pray and ask. Amen.